Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 53. Yeah. Uh, it's it's time. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before before we we plunge into the depths of what we have planned for today, let, let let's let's talk about Aroba Silver. Oh, okay. I'm sure they'll want to be attached to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they'll want to be attached to the end of this episode. That'll be a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah. Um, Everybody, <laughs> fast forward right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ArobaSilver.com. They make rings. They make a lot of different types of silver jewelry. Definitely worth checking out if you're a Green Lantern fan because of all of their Green Lantern rings that they make. They have all different styles. I mean, really, we've talked about this, like, a lot. So any other episode that you've listened to, you know, you know the spiel already. But they actually have a new ring. It's the... The Oath Ring? Yes, the Green Lantern Oath Ring. It has... You know, like, the Green Lantern symbol under, like, I guess, like, green glass. So it, it kind of looks like a, the high school ring kind of effect on the front of it. And then, like, on the sides of it, it has, you know, half the oath on one side and half the oath, you know, on the other side. It's it's pretty cool looking. That one's definitely cool looking. They have a whole bunch of other, you know, like, black, silver type rings. Uh, they have the green enamel. They have the Alan Scott ring. They have the Hal Jordan ring. They have a ring based on Kyle Rayner's original costume design, his uh, symbol that he had. So, I mean, like, they have a lot of variety. They are very affordable. They're great rings. Definitely you want to check them out, arobasilver.com. Type in the code DSC10. Save 10% off your order. So, definitely, definitely check them out. They're cranking out new styles of rings pretty quick, too. It was, like, what, like, two months ago they came out with uh, the one with the raised circle on it? I think two months ago they came out with most of their line of black silver rings. So, like, that was that's actually, like, quite a few rings right there. Nice. Yeah. Okay, Dan, now, now why don't you tell these poor people what they're going to have to listen to tonight? This... Uh, well, Blackest Night is over, and we finally have the time to do whatever we want. I, I, I felt, and this was my idea, I'll take blame for that right now. <laughs> I felt that it was appropriate that we address, we give the a full episode devoted to the one Green Lantern story in all of Green Lantern storydom that has just it's just it's come up so much <laughs> going, going as far back to episode zero of this show. I, I think it, it, it's just it's just time to give it its due. It's time to just to just to just suck it up and just dive in to this swimming pool with no water. <laughs> We're gonna be talking about Guy Gardner collateral damage numbers one and two. Oh God. Oh man. Okay, like. Before I guess we give the synopsis, I want to give a little more background. In episode zero, we we started mentioning this this book as basically we we touted it as like one of the worst things ever created. It was just like back then we we basically described it as having 
what, no redeeming qualities whatsoever, I think. About, yeah, that sounds about right. That's basically what you had said, and for me, like, my, my, my thought was, well, they incorporated the ideas of the Valdarians, which was a concept that I liked from uh, the Guy Gardner Warrior series. So, you know, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it, if nothing else. Well, fast forward 25, 26, whatever it was, episodes, and in LanternCast episode 25, I actually interviewed Howard Chaikin, who wrote and drew Guy Gardner Collateral Damage. Now, in order to prepare myself to interview him, I, of course, wanted to reread the story. Now, when I reread the story, I was reading it with the the slant, okay, well, I'm going to be interviewing Howard Jakin. So, read this with an open mind. Read this with a very, very open mind. And my, my outlook on the book, like, you know, it changed dynamically, I would say. In that, you know, at that point, it's like, all of a sudden, I'm starting to appreciate the art, where before I did not at all. And, you know, there were different aspects of the story, which I I actually did like. And it wasn't anywhere close to, like, one of the worst things I've ever read. So, there was that. Now, reading it again so that we could talk about it tonight, I didn't have that same, you know, open mind going into it. I, like, I obviously, like, I was kind of like, okay, well... I kind of enjoyed it the last time I read it, so there was something of an open mind, but since I wasn't interviewing the creator of it, I suppose I didn't have to have as open a mind. So with that being said, let's go. Yeah, it's different when you don't have to worry about sucking up the hour chicken, isn't it? Basically. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'll, I'll do the rundown. I, it won't be that bad, I promise. Uh-huh. I say we just talk about these two together, because I have virtually the exact same things to say about both issues. Okay. I don't know about you. That's fine. All right, so this is Guy Gardner Collateral. Down. All right, story and art, Howard Chaikin, with uh, Michelle Madsen on inks, or colors, I guess. Yes. All right. So, all right, cliff notes here. The Ranthagar War is going on, which... Honestly, it's probably still going on in DC today. I have no idea. <laughs> so their their war is going on. It's causing chaos all over the place. It's, it's lots of casualty worlds and all that. And this is a, this is like providing a perfect opportunity for the Tormox. These this like really just like god awful race of just just I I don't even know how to describe them. They're, they're like there's these <laughs> insanely terrible killing species whatever <laughs> their uh, big enemy is the valdarians the race that kind of kind of deputized in air bunnies guy gardner for his series when he became warrior or whatever okay so these two they're they've been at each other's throats forever now with the ranthagar war the tormox are finally you know they got the upper hand they're wiping out all the valdarians and they want to get everybody including warrior which is guy gardner even though he doesn't have that DNA in him anymore, but why would they know? It, it makes no... It, that's fine. So they track Guy to Earth. They do some, I guess, severe damage to his bar. Uh, he, they get chased away. Guy and his merry... Ba- oh, I'm skipping over an entire plotline, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. The, the um... Uh, 
Okay, so so guy for so, for some unknown reason, guy is picked as like <laughs> the best qualified person <laughs> in the universe to preside over peace talks between the Ranians and Thanagarians. <laughs> and, and they decide to do it in his bar. Again, why not? Okay. So Guy and company catch up with the Tormox. They take care of business. The Tormox are out of the picture, but they they just happen to complete their genocide against the Valdarians. They all, but, but, you know, they have the, uh, the little, like, genie in the bottle of the urn of all the Valdarian DNA or something, so that that could that could always come back. Uh, so Guy Gardner just kind of goes home, and that's that's kind of it. It's got it, it, it's it's over. Oh, 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 oh! I should I should point out. Apparently, everybody was so angry and pissed off and violent towards each other that space got angry too. Oh yes, <laughs> and. Now, like, there's this big honking part of the universe that's just pissed the hell off and is trying to kill everybody. But, you know, thank God Guy has a massive ego because that gives his willpower the boost it needs to save them all because, you know, God damn it, Guy Gardner will not be killed here by some stupid universe. And then he goes back to his bar. And that's over. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, now, can I ask a stupid question? Okay. Howard Chaikin, is he primarily an artist or a writer, or does he always do both? Uh, I think he's probably more well-known for his art, but he has done quite a bit of writing as well. Because I'm sure I've read other stuff of his before this, I just can't remember, but... I don't know, after this, I kind of started avoiding <laughs> stuff with his name on it. Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure, because, honest to God, I've read this, I've read this one and a half times. <laughs> and I say half, because I had actually forgotten that as this came out, I bought number one off the shelf, and hated it so much, I never got number two. So I was, I spent like hours digging through my collection this past week, looking for number two, when I realized, oh, I never got it, and I just, I could not tell which facet of comic creating he was less experienced in. <laughs> well, what, how did you end up getting number two? Uh, um, Rob and I went to a comic shop, and they had, and this worked out beautifully, they had, like, a discount short box. Yeah. That had stuff for, like, a dollar. Yeah. I saw number two in it, and I'm like, huh, dollar. That's, that's about as much money as I could comfortably spend on this book. <laughs> Oh, as opposed to the five ninety nine an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I paid cover price on this one. Oh. Like I even remember at one point, like a few months after this thing originally finished coming out, I went back to the store and I looked at it. I I held it in my hands. I'm like, well, it's only one more issue, and I really should see how it is. Maybe it gets better. And I just stood there for like another thirty seconds in quiet. Quiet contemplation. <laughs> I just put it back and left the store. <laughs> <laughs> and I burned it down the next day. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, so so let's get into it. Um, what I'm going to say is that from the first time that I read this 
you know, to the the second time that I read it for the Howard Chaykin interview to now, I I definitely do appreciate the art for for what it is. You know, it's it's distinctly Howard Chaykin style. You either like Howard Chaykin style or you don't. But you know, I like I I I can definitely appreciate it. And I think that the colorist, Michelle Madsen, did a fantastic job. Seriously? I, I do. I, I think she did a really good job. You disagree? I I think the coloring of this was ugly as hell. Wow. Like, it was... I, I've been trying to figure out how to describe it. I <laughs> Sometimes sometimes I want to say muddy, but not it's not really muddy. It's like... Like, I don't know. I don't know what... I mean, I appreciate stuff she is it yeah, I appreciate stuff she does like like when they're flying around with their auras up, they have a green tint yes. as opposed to just being colored normally. Okay. Like I I appreciate stuff like that. But the rest of the, it uh, this doesn't make any sense to say, but the coloring almost feels fake. If that makes any sense at all, like like, this almost feels like one of those comics that happened right after people started using digital coloring. So it's, like, not good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I... I okay, so... So let's just... Let's just, uh... Step away from the good aspects of this, then. Because <laughs> that, was, that was really it. That was really it. I, you know, I, I... Like I said, I, I do appreciate the art a lot more than I used to. And I, I did enjoy the coloring. Um, so now let's get to the story. Yeah, now, can we talk about the character of Guy Gardner for a second? Absolutely. Because this is, this is like the big thing. This is the big thing, okay? The, before this came out, and Guy Gardner was starting, because this came out right around the time, like, it was after Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Green Lantern Recharge might have just been ending between those two ongoings and the Ion 12-issue thing and this. There was four Green Lantern books coming out every month for like two months. I was ecstatic. The Guy Gardner here is 100% different than the Guy Gardner we've been getting in like the other books. Before this book came out... I would have extensive conversations with people that would always say, oh, guy, he's just an asshole, or guy, he's he's such a jerk, I hate him, this and that. And I'm like, I'm explaining to them, you know, he's been forced in and out of, like, two or three comas. He's was trapped in the Phantom Zone once. He saw someone else hooking up with his, his ex-fiancé before she was his ex-fiancé. He had all this crap. He got kicked out of the Green Lantern Corps. All this crap happened to him. So it's like he he's justified to have a chip on his shoulder, but he's got a heart of gold. And then this comes out <laughs> and like justifies all of their complaints. Like I like I've said this before. This honest to God is this is what people who don't get the character of Guy Gardner think Guy Gardner is. Like in the in his own opening scene in this, okay, it, it starts out well enough. You know, he's there's like some criminals or terrorists or whatever in a helicopter shooting bullets everywhere. So he takes out the helicopter, and you think you think like, oh, okay, now he's gonna arrest them or he'll put them in chains or deliver them. To, no, he blows up the helicopter and murders them. <laughs> 
if you look at the bottom of the one page where he knocks out the rotor blades, you can see, like, the guy has a parachute. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe he jumps out. And I'm looking. I'm searching the next page. But, like, no, he blew it up before they could get out. <laughs> so, okay. And, like, he spends, like, every, oh, my God. <laughs> He's just, like, a 100% bastard. And, like, that's all there is. Yeah. Yeah, that's... The the one thing that uh, that Chaykin really failed to do was, you know, give him that that slight redeeming quality kind of thing. You know, like the whole like the whole either heart of gold or something that would make him seem sl- somewhat, you know, redeeming. You know, it's like this this leaves that out completely. He like he didn't care about genocide. <laughs> like, every, everyone from Nort to the Thanagarian chick to the Branian chick are telling them, like, like these entire races are being wiped down, worlds are being burned, and they're innocent in the conflict, and he's like, yeah, so why the hell should I care? That's yeah, so stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, the way that it even starts out, like, at the top of the page, for glory, which, you know, I don't know, they don't really fight too much for glory, but for the Guardians... You know, that definitely doesn't happen anymore. For greatness, okay, maybe. For grandeur. Kilowog's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, greatness is okay. For grandeur, like that, definitely no. And and then the best is they have a picture of Hal Jordan, and it's like, for gratitude. Yeah, is this supposed to be like what each of these people does it for? Or what, what? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, because... It's like for gratitude, a profound debt owed to the reborn Green Lantern of Sector 2814. Hal Jordan is another human who's been through hell and back, an earthbound being with his own history of lost spiritual discovery and rebirth, and with his own deeply held sense of gratitude. It's, wait, it's a profound debt owed to Hal Jordan and his own sense of gratitude. Okay, I can understand his own sense of gratitude, but if it wasn't for Hal Jordan, there still would be a core before him coming back. Yeah. So, thank you so much for helping to bring us back after you wiped us out completely. Yeah. Uh. And, like, what the hell, the whole, and this is the, I, I feel terrible that this is the second time in history that this has happened. What about the whole fact that his ring is his wingman? <laughs> yeah. At first, I really held out hope that, you know, one of his lantern buddies was, you know, monitoring his progress and giving him pointers <laughs> over their comlink or something. No. But no, it was it was the ring itself saying like you're losing her, you know, you you should, you know, this isn't how you're this isn't working out, you should try something else or whatever. But, like, giving these rings personalities doesn't work. It just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, let's 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 move on to a happier topic. I know you were pretty happy to see Nort. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I I mean, okay. I get that Nort. He's depending on who's drawing him. He's supposed to look either like a certain kind of dog or every kind of dog or whatever. He looks like a bear. All right. He looks like a big, mean bear, which depending on which issue or which panel you're looking at, 
he does or does not have like a freaking plume of feathers coming out of the top of his head. <laughs> I'm not saying I wanted to see the goofy like Looney Tunes character Nort that we got for a long time, but just like he was just so. Well, first of all, he was absolutely unnecessary to even have in here. Exactly, nothing about him being there, because this is the first time, this is the first and only time since Emerald Twilight that we've even seen Nort. I think he might have been in, like, a Secret Files or something before that, but, but like, this, like, like, I hope to God this doesn't count for anything, because I don't want this to be in Nort's history now. Like, I want, I want a Nort that's at least some degree of fun, and not one that's, like, going around space scowling at everything and being just like a jerk. And, and granted, his planet got destroyed or something, but... Ravaged. Yeah. This is just... I mean, I, I, obviously there's like that classic story, like a guy and his Nord or something, where it's Guy Gardner and Nort going off on an adventure for six issues or whatever. But like, is that the only reason he was in here? Uh... I think, basically. How about every time that there's a female on page, guys <laughs> do basically doing nothing but trying to get in her pants? Yeah. No matter where they are or who it is? Yeah. Okay, so now, so now, as I said, the first time that I, you know, ever read this, the thing that I appreciated about it was the fact that it includes the Valdarians, right? Yes. Well, when I spoke to Howard Chaikin he told me that he basically included that because of the fact that he wanted to wipe them out. Like, he wanted to kill off all the Valdarians because he hated that concept so much, he just wanted to just erase it from from DC. Which is understandable, kind of. Well, you know. you know, I mean, I don't, I don't really think so because, you know, like... Why Why would you want to take anything away from a shared universe? You know? Like, it happened to Guy Gardner. It's part of his history. And if they want to do it to somebody else, the option's there. You know? But, mm-hmm. you know, Howard Shaken, he decided to take this as an opportunity to wipe them all out so they, you know, so nobody would have to deal with them anymore. But he has, like, like you said, the... Uh, the, the mulligan, where it's an urn with the DNA of a hundred different Valdarians, so that if somebody chooses to, they could always just, like, clone the entire race back to life. So, I mean, okay, so at least there is that, so if they do want to bring them back, they can. Not that anybody's going to after that. But, I mean, like, th- through these two issues, I don't know, I mean... I guess I guess I just didn't pick up on it, but like they're complete wusses in this. Yeah, I mean like they're supposed to be like this this super warrior race that can create any weapon out of their body, like anything, and they're basically just getting like completely taken apart by other shapeshifters. It's like, yeah, you know you you yeah. can't. You can't muster a defense. You can create any weapon. Any weapon at all. I mean, you can create a blaster that disrupts their shape-shifting powers. But they, <laughs> they do nothing. And Guy Gardner comes in, and he's basically just punching them in the face. And that's that's taking <laughs> them down. 
I, you know, it's like yeah. you're taking a race that, okay, so you don't like it, but still they they had, you know, tremendous abilities and basically made them look like complete chumps that can't do anything. Like, they can't even get out of their own way. Uh, <sighs> can we agree that this should have been one issue? Just because, like, like I, I sat down the other day and I read them back to back. Yeah. All right. And never do that. <laughs> it seems to me like this thing just kept going in circles until it eventually stopped. Here's Guy Gardner being an asshole. He says something that someone takes great offense to, and they they go, Oh, Guy Gardner, you're such a horrible person. How could you do that? And he's like, It's just how I am. Live with it. And then everybody's like, Oh, Guy Gardner. And then it cuts <laughs> to the Tormox slaughtering a bunch of people for two pages. Then it cuts back to Guy Gardner, and Guy Gardner's just being an asshole, and he says something that's just... It leaves everybody offended, and they're like, what a horrific bastard you are. Why could you say something like that? And he's like, hey, I gotta keep it real, bitches. And and they're like, oh, God, Gardner. And then it cuts back and forth until eventually they run into each other, and it's just over. There's so much unnecessary... Everything! It's all unnecessary. I know, and the only points it serves to make is that... That the Tormox are killing a lot of Valdarians, which you could have displayed in any number of ways that don't take this long. And it hits home the other point that, well, Guy Gardner is an irredeemable prick. (laughs) Over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And now, let me ask you this. Are the Tormox gone now, too? Or are there still Tormox out there? Um, well... Okay, the Tormox have been defeated, but at a profound loss. Who died? Everyone. Um, what the hell are you reading that for? <laughs> this is when he's holding the urn, the page opposite where he's holding the urn. Oh, that's right. Because it seems like... Okay, so you have the Tormox and the Valdarians, both entire races going at each other, okay? So, naturally, this to me inspires thoughts of like great numbers all right i I mean granted you know you know during like the ranthagar war and collateral collateral damage um there would be their their numbers would be dwindling but i still expected there to be like several hundred tormox or something and when guy shows up to this ship he kills like three of them and then it's just over like, there's no more. <laughs> like, what? Really? That took, like, a page and a half. And one of those was a splash page. <laughs> <laughs> All it took was Guy Gardner squishing their heads. Yeah, I mean, he he shot one guy, punched another guy, and stepped on, like, the face of a third guy. <laughs> like, that was all of their men. Yeah. Oh, my God. And th- there were a number of times where, like... He just out and out killed people. Yeah. Yeah, he even, like, like he basically flips off the Guardians, and they're just like, oh, guy. <laughs> it's like, we know what your gestures mean. That wacky guy. Yeah. I mean, I liked at the end where Nort's going off to leave, and Guy Garner wishes him luck. It's like, in that one panel, and even the look on his face, you can kind of almost see an inkling of the guy we know peeking through. 
But that immediately goes away when he says, like, hey, better you than me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, so so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about a possible candidate for the rage entity. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, you know, Howard Chaykin invented that, and it was his idea, and, you know, obviously, because, you know, we haven't seen the Rage Entity in Jeff John's book by this point, and you know, so Howard Chaykin came up with the idea. That's that's exactly what happened. Oh my god. God. Yeah, so there's there's like a lot of red energy in space caused by a lot of hatred going through the system and um what was the what was the other thing? The engines I think the Tormach engines release some sort of anger, hatred, dust in their path or something like that. Well, yeah, what was your car run on? Come on. <laughs> anger, hatred, of course. <laughs> anger, hatred. That's the best kind of hatred. Anger, hatred. Yeah. Um, and, and they get stuck in this, and the only way that they can get out is by Guy Gardner. What does he even do? Like, the ship just flies out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he like made his ring take them out or anything. It just pops out of the thing. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. Apparently he gets to hook up with the uh Danigarian chick though. Oh yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> good for him. He deserves a reward, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, you know, this this doesn't even get into the whole fact that there already was a uh, a core member from, oh, well, I guess, uh, Ran and Thanagar. And they just kind of, like, completely ignored that for the sake of, you know, fitting in this other girl. Well, they needed to, like, Jim, do you really expect them to take valuable page time away from important things, like devoting two pages to all superheroes being gay? Uh, oh, oh, God. Or Batman being compared to Hitler. Yeah, yeah, what the hell is that? I mean, okay, if the point you're trying to make is Batman is a, is an angry drunk. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Of all the ways you could convey that idea, the one you pick is to say, hey, Hitler was an angry drunk. <laughs> you know, Batman's kind of like Hitler in that way, isn't he? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. And can, you know, can I ask, like, is it me, or was the damage to his bar, like, pretty superficial, except for the hole in the wall? <laughs> because he's talking about, like, they destroyed my bar, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I'm looking at the pad, like, it doesn't look that messed up. There's, like, some stuff on the floor, and he has to, like, he has to... Buy a new picture frame, but like the place is in pretty good shape. <laughs> well, well, if you look at it, like apparently, like a whole bunch of stuff got smashed. Yeah, look at the last page of the first issue, if you dare. Mm. <laughs> and apparently, there's a lot more damage than you know what appeared to have happened just before that. It's an insurance scam. They, like, broke some extra stuff before the claim adjuster showed up. Yeah. I mean, not for nothing, but Guy Gardner has a Green Lantern ring that can put up a shield, you know, a protection shield. 
Yeah. Um, oh, God! I for, I was flipping through n- number two, and I completely forgot about, like, the grossest, most unnecessary thing ever. Which was... you. <laughs> the scene with the the two Tormachs that are basically about to have sex, and the girl, like, shapeshifts to look like Guy Gardner. Oh, yes. She said, we can roleplay a bit if you promise to behave. (laughs) And he's just like, why are you so good to me? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Why did this happen? Why did this even happen? I'll tell you why. Because Howard Chaykin told me. He said because Dan DiDio said to him, Howard Chaykin, I really love that cover that you did where guys, I don't know, giving the finger to the reader or something like that, or he's doing, like, he's, he, he apparently did some sort of Guy Gardner cover. And Dan DiDio mm-hmm. liked that cover so much because he thought it totally summed up the character of Guy Gardner. So he basically said, okay, do you, Howard Chaykin, do you want to do a story? Howard Chaykin, he's like, yeah, definitely. I love I love Guy Gardner. Well, I guess he loved the stereotype of Guy Gardner. I fear what he would do if he wrote a character he hated. I mean, and, and he used that image for the cover of number one of this. And, I mean, it's definitely something Guy would do, because on first glance it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a it's Green Lantern in a pose that showcases his ring and whatever. But then you look at it, you're like, hey, the way his other hand is, oh, he's flipping us off without, you know. Yeah. And that's totally, it is something like that Guy Gardner would do. But, like, that's almost as far into that territory he would go. <laughs> he wouldn't, you know, murder helicopter people and and celebrate genocide and call people Hitler for no reason. Yeah. Howard Chaykin also co-wrote that three-issue Green Lantern Elseworld story set in, like, I guess the 30s, the 20s and 30s. The... The one, oh, the one with Kyle Rayner in, like, an Alan Scott kind of get-up? Yeah, yeah. Oh, god damn it. I own that. <laughs> yeah, me too, and I can't remember. I don't even know if I read the whole thing. I read the first one. Yeah. And then I couldn't find the second one, and then I got the third one. But I just recently got the second right. one, so I was like, oh, we should do this on the show. So I've been holding off. Yeah. God damn it. Now... <laughs> Now, the one thing that I'll say about that is that... So he co-wrote it, so it probably won't be all bad. <laughs> well, well, here's here's the catch. He co-wrote it. And he co-wrote it with a guy that... I think they both co-wrote for the Flash TV show, I want to say. Um, I, I, think, I think they had both worked on that, um, if I remember correctly. They both worked on, you know, basically writing some TV show. And I think it was Flash. Which I enjoyed. Oh yeah, I like that. So the, these two people, they you know, they apparently team up every once in a while. Well, that other guy was he also wrote some some Star Trek when I, I think it was I want to say IDW took over Star Trek the comics. It's either IDW or Devils do one of them. Whoever's doing the Star Trek comics now, when they first started, they put out. The Next Generation, The Missing Years. And it was, I guess, set to take place 
like between seasons or between episodes of certain things. And, you know, like when that, when they first announced that, like I was psyched. I was really, really looking forward to that. And then I read the first issue and it was, like I said, written by this guy that co-wrote that other Green Lantern story with Howard Chaikin. And like to this day, I say that it is one of the, it, it is the worst comic I've ever read. Wow. I mean, we should, we should do that on the show. <laughs> uh, it, like it's it's so bad. I, I, I'm a Star Trek fan. I like Star Trek: The Next Generation. And okay, I don't remember everything, but I remember like enough to understand everything. And whoever wrote this, this this dude, he didn't understand. He did not understand how to write a Star Trek episode. That's that's for damn sure. I thought you were going to point to the fact that the guys who who uh, wrote the Flash TV series also wrote the really below par Bart Allen as an adult Flash series that got canceled after a year. Yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't them. That was uh, that was somebody else. Actually, that was um, was it Amanda Bilson? No, um, no, Rachel just... Bilson. You know, there's an okay. There's an actress, Rachel Bilson. Um, she's been on a bunch of shows. I think she was on The OC or something. Her father was the guy that wrote for Flash. Wrote he co-wrote the uh, the most recent, I guess, most recent Flash. Well, up until a couple of days ago, the Bart Flash. And then he also went on to. Uh, co-write with that other guy, uh, the Red Menace, for Wildstorm. That's the Bart Flash wasn't the most recent one. Wally came back and they got his series up and going again. Oh, Mark Wade did that for a while and then somebody else took over. Yeah. But I definitely remember like it was like like two guys that worked on Fla- uh, the Flash TV series did the Bart comic. Yeah, yeah. One of them was Bilson. No, oh, all right. Rachel Bilson's father. Okay. We're getting off topic here. Mm-hmm. I hate Guy Gardner collateral damage. <laughs> Listen, when you have a comic like this, you have to go off topic. <laughs> um, uh, th- has this ever been collected anywhere? No. I don't know. I, I, well, no, I, I was hoping not, but... There's you know, no way. You, you never know. <sighs> I, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say about this. I mean, is this is this the worst Green Lantern thing you've ever read? I think so. I, I really do. <laughs> like, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in hyperbole when you're talking about this thing. Yeah. But when you go back and actually read it, you find out like it's it it's all true. It just is. <laughs> like you kind of you go through it trying to find that one page or that one sequence where. Where it redeems itself. And I thought I found it at the end there with the part where he's like, hey, yeah, well, good luck with that. But then it just <laughs> yanked it away. It's it's like it's like I'm that I, I don't remember what like like I'm that guy from that story where, you know, my personal hell is like I'm thirsty and there's water, but it's just out of reach, and every time I reach for it it recedes and when I go back <laughs> it comes back. Like that that's what that that's what I experienced when I read that page. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> God! All right, all right, all right. I should. I have to say something good here. Okay. All right. The first, the first page of issue one, the shot of the battery. Yes. That's a cool page. I like that. Yeah, me too. 
There you go. There you go, Howard Chaykin. There you go. <laughs> it's like, actually, he he borrowed that page from Rebirth. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be hysterical. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. It just Xeroxed it and put it in there. Oh, my God. Uh, All right, so, Jim, overall, if you if you had to encapsulate this with one sentence... One final, like your last word on this book, what would you say? Oh, man. Read something else? (laughs) This is what I'm going to say. If you see this in a comic book store, leaf through it, take a look at the art, you know, because it's worth looking at once. It's definitely worth looking at once. Put it back on the shelf, walk away, and and treasure that, that little experience that you had, knowing that you didn't have to spend any money on it, and if you didn't like the art, then you can forget about it. But if you did like the art, then you got to appreciate it for a little while, and you didn't have to get involved with the story. Good. Eloquent. <laughs> I'll throw in mine. Reading Guy Gardner Collateral Damage on every level is the literary equivalent of taking off all your clothes and just rolling around on a field made entirely of broken glass. Oh, God. <laughs> if, uh, and if they put a trade out, that should be the pull quote for the cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of those things that's so bad, it's still bad. Yeah, it's not so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's still bad. Oh. God. I kind of, I kind of didn't want to reread it. I didn't want to finish it. <laughs> I didn't want to finish it for the first time. Uh, it, 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 I can't believe you read it tw- like what three times. Yeah, Jesus Christ! It, it kind of made me sad to knowing <laughs> that we were going to have to review it. <laughs> I gotta say it's. Oh. Like, what do you think about Guy Gardner collateral damage? It makes me sad. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, next next week we got we got brightest day to look forward to. And hey, you know what? You know what? Let's. It's not all bad. Bill Balsman, letterer. No complaints. <laughs> I found all of his texts to be very legible. <laughs> It's kind of unfortunate that his last name is Ballsman, but, you know. <laughs> well, that's when uh, when Howard Chaykin was explaining who else was going to be on the book. And the other people were like, oh, wow, you got balls, man. You got balls, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now, let's take a break. And never talk about Guy Gardner collateral damage again. Alright.
everybody. We're back. And, uh, Dan, what do you say we do a couple of voicemails? Let's. Okay, so first one. Hey, guys, how you doing? This is Sean. I just wanted to take a moment out now that I fully recovered from the weekend that was Super Show um, a while ago to say thank you, uh, guys, for being uh, so supportive of uh, PKD Media's efforts at Super Show um, for sponsoring a bunch of our tables at Super Show. Um, that was just so generous and uh, thoughtful of you guys, and I'm extremely thankful for that. We are all, everybody that participated um, is extremely thankful for that. Uh, you gentlemen are fantastic, and I've got nothing but love for y'all. Also, I wanted to say um, thank you to Bland, a.k.a. Dan. Please let that be your name because I hate messing up names. For giving me a copy of your book, Waste of Space, I promise you I will read it soon, and, um, and we can talk about it together. Also, um, shout out to Chornata, aka Jim, for moderating the web comics forum, uh, the web comics panel, the web comics panel at the Super Show. Everybody that was on the on the panel that I talked to said that you did a great job in putting that together. So, mad props to you for doing so. And to my homie Jason Grice, um, I just also want to say thank you for everything. You are truly a gent, a scholar, and a wonderful person. Um, we need more people like you in this world. So I just want to say thank you for everything, brother. I cannot say thanks enough for that. All you Jets are wonderful. Continue best with Lantern Cast, and if you guys ever need anything, uh, don't hesitate to let me know. Y'all take care. Bye. Okay, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Sean. He was actually sick through most of Super Show, too. Yeah. I mean, like, it didn't show. Yeah, no. you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so so the one thing that I have to say in response to that is you gave him one of your books, but you did not <laughs> give me one. I only had one. I had one copy. Oh, God. I mean, all right, look, I, I found it. I was digging around through my room. I found a box of comics from college, or like, like mini comics that my class had made, and a copy of the one I'm in. I'm like, you know what? Sean is, let, let's face it, Sean is a rising comic editor, all right? Yes. In his own right. He's, he's, he writes them, he understands, he has a love and understanding of the, of the medium, and he looks at it from, from the other side of the editor's desk, too. So, you know what, I, I know I can trust him to give me an honest opinion and that he'll invest the time in it he feels he needs to to get that. So, let me see what he thinks, because I'm curious. <laughs> I see. Because you know that I would be brutally honest as well. Oh, yeah, I know, but, you know, <laughs> the, the, the difference is I respect his opinion. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. <laughs> it's all right. Your wife can beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is that Sean will do it constructively, and I will do it destructively. Yeah, he'll be fair. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, something that, that I noticed, when... When I went to Super Show last year... 2008? Oh, right, yeah. The last time they had it. 2008. I saw Sean Pryor there. You know, he had his whole setup. And and even then, it was, it was a nice setup. It was definitely a nice setup. And then, like, to go to this, this show and see Sean, you know, doing his thing and, and just working his island, his island of booths, as as great as he had it in 2008, in 2010, like, 
he he was acting so professional. I mean, like, I, I was pretty much blown away. Like, I you know, I, I look at Sean, and it's like, you know, there's somebody who I, I can totally see making it huge in comics because he just, he has that, he has that, that, that knack for it, and he just, he does it so professionally. It, it was, it was really something. Like, like I said, not, not to take anything away from 2008, but the evolution to, to 2010, it was amazing. It was really cool to see. He's somebody we should try and get back on. He was fun. Because we had him on, like, around the midway point of Blackest Night or something. It'll be cool to see what he thinks about it after it's all done, especially the Firestorm thing, because he's a big Firestorm guy. That would be cool. Um, and, you know, again, like he mentioned, the I don't think we really talked about, did we, that the Lantern cast sponsored basically all of PKD Media to have tables at the show? Oh, I, I don't know if we did. I don't know, but, you know, credit where credit was due, that was Jason's idea, and yes. it was an awesome one. Yes. Jason Jason oftentimes comes up with some some brilliant ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. And got, when do we know cuz he he told us the last time about like the like his his hours are changing so he'll be around more. Like do we know when that starts? It's already started. Oh. We probably should have called him for tonight. <laughs> Actually, I did. I did. And because we were recording so late tonight, he has to wake up very early. All right. Well, it gives him more time with his kids, so. Yes. So, so for future episodes, like I said, like, you know, when I found out, Jason's definitely going to be on more often. So, um, another thing that Sean had mentioned, since I uh, moderated the webcomics panel at Super Show. Yeah. Actually, now up on the web, it's at... It's being sponsored by Comics Cast, well, with K's. It's K O M I C S C K A S T. Um, it's Comics Cast with the K's. dot libsyn. dot com. Um, you know, you should be able to find it on there. But we'll have we'll have links on our webpage to show that off. Cause like, yeah, I moderated it, but like, it's so worth listening to because. It just it ended up going like so hilarious <laughs> and 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 yet also informative. So it's it's very entertaining to listen to. Who was in that panel? I think oh, like Danielle Corsetto was in there and yes, other people. Danielle Corsetto, Katie Cook, uh, Mike Swartz, Julian Lytle was there, um, Jamie Jamie Ficus. Jamie Ficus. What's he do? Mumblepuss. Oh, okay. Oh, Kevin Freeman, the editor, well, you know, editor at Ape and writer on Subculture.com or SubcultureTheComic.com, I think. Um, let's see, was there anybody else? There probably was. We should say, you know, Danielle Corsetto does Girls with Slingshots. <laughs> Mike Schwartz does Oceanverse. Katie Cook does Star Wars, and she's going to be starting up her own. Is she? Nice. Yes. And Julian Lytle has the Ants comic strip. Yes. Nice. Uh, oh, oh, Dave Dwanch. Dave Dwanch was there also. Oh, Space Time Condominium? Yes. Yeah, he's awesome. And the whole panel was, was fantastic. It, it just absolutely was incredible. Oh, okay. So, 
since we just had a voicemail from Sean, I think it's only fitting to uh, have a little bit of a PKD media plug. So, we have um, PKD Media proudly presents Mercury and the Murd Volume 1 Collateral Damages on <laughs> sale now. Um, oh, God. Yeah. It's so appropriate. <laughs> it, is, it really is. Collecting the first six issues of the small press internet comic sensation, this book is the perfect jump on for all readers who must know how Mercury and the Murd came to be the best buddy cop team since Starsky and Hutch. Read their adventures as they battle crime throughout the seedy streets of Dayton, Ohio, while taking on ninjas, apes, cosplay patrons, evil business tycoons, and so much more. Written by 2010 Comic Geek Speak Super Show Spirit of <laughs> Comics award winner Sean Pryor, with sequential artwork by Chad Ciccone and Dave Dwanch. Ah, Dave Dwanch. Yeah. Front cover by, oh, you know, it's three exclamation point LL, but it's it's Bill Blankenship and Eric White, um, both both excellent artists. Uh, they're, they're all the whole group is really really good artists. It's 136 pages for only nine dollars at DCBService.com and HeroesCorner.com. But wait, there's more. Oh, my God. Yes, there's more. Apparently, the 75th customer that pre-orders a copy of this trade paperback gets a copy of the official Mercury in the Murd soundtrack CD with music composed by writer-creator Sean Pryor. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I have this CD. It's awesome. I got this back at Super Show 2008. Um, The 150th customer that pre-orders a copy of this trade paperback, gets an original Mercury in the Murd page signed by artist Chad Ciccone and writer-creator Sean Pryor. That's very cool. I don't have one of those. And the, the 300th customer who pre-orders the book gets an iPod shuffle. What? Yes. God. If you're the 300th person that pre-orders the book, you get an iPod shuffle. Yeah, he should preload it with all the episodes of the PKD Black Box. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Mercury and the Murd soundtrack CD. And, you know, I'll throw that out there. Like, Sean does a uh, a podcast himself called the PKD Black Box. And, you know, it's contrary to the title, it's not all about PKD media. It's basically, it's Sean and kind of his, his revolving cast of uh, co-hosts who just, they come on and they just they just talk about whatever, you know. You know, G.I. Joe comes up a lot because they love G.I. Joe forever. You know, it's 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 just like it's just like a really good general talk kind of show about comics and movies and such. And it's I have to say, and I told you on this is Super Show, most podcasts when they start, the first handful or two of the, of their episodes are gonna suck until they really, <laughs> until they really learn just what they're doing. His sounded <laughs> his sounded. Like, so much more professional than most, like, right out of the gate. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure, like, within the next hundred episodes, you and I might get to where he was at episode one. <laughs> so if you, oh. li- if you like our crap, try his show. You'll never huh. come back. <laughs> huh. Well, you know, to be fair, we had an absolutely fantastic episode zero. 
And then after that, it was all downhill until the Phil Lamar episode. But yeah, you know, go to pkdmedia.com, look for the PKD Black Box in iTunes, look for PKD's books in, at DCBS, I think they're also on, like, Heroes Corner and other online sites like that. Yeah. Alright, you want to do the the next voicemail? Yes, I do. Hey, LanternCast, my name is Michael, I am a long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I just want to say, love the podcast. Wish there were more uh, comic-oriented podcasts out there that was, that uh, are or should be as good as yours. Um, I just recently listened to your latest episode, and I loved the Green Arrow uh, Blackest Night tie-in uh, discussion that you all had. And I had a few points that I wanted to bring up. Um, the first one was, uh, those truth arrows, and, uh, I say that doing air bunnies, but, um, I was thinking that maybe those weren't real, that that stuff didn't really happen, uh, as we've seen before, these Black Lanterns, you know, will say things to the heroes that are alive, uh, to try to, you know, trick them, so I'm thinking what if, you know, this was just another one of those things that Green Arrow, Black Lantern Green Arrow was, you know, lying about this stuff to try to work up, uh, you know, Connor and um, Maya and uh, Dinah. Uh, Another thing I wanted to bring up was um, in one of the panels, uh, Mia says something along the lines of, uh, you know, that's not Ollie, and uh, Dinah responds, you know, oh, that's him, and she calls him a bastard. So then again, maybe uh, that stuff did happen. Uh, that's, you know, obviously completely within the realm of po- uh, possibility considering it's Ollian. Let's face it, in a previous life, he was a complete man whore. Um, you mentioned the two times that he displayed willpower when he told him to run and when he shifted the arrow so that it hit that hose. I was thinking that he had a third time that he should will. Uh, willpower, and that was when he shoots uh, Black Canary. I'm thinking, uh, you know, if he, you know, Black Lantern Green Arrow wanted to kill her, he could have, but it obviously didn't kill her. So that's just what I was thinking. Um, I also, uh, I've recently been reading the Green Lantern Green Arrow uh, comics from way back in the day, and I want to get your opinion. After Blackest Night is all said and done, after Brightest day is all said and done. How would you, how would you guys feel about a Green Lantern and Green Arrow team up written by Jeff Johns? Uh, so, thank you for taking time to listen to this, and uh, can't wait. Okay. Um, okay. So first off, Michael, thank you very much. I mean, like that is that's an amazing compliment. Oh. <laughs> He wishes that there were more comics podcasts that were as good as us. It makes me wonder how many comic podcasts he knows about. <laughs> <laughs> have Have you heard about CGS? <laughs> Nobody knows them. Uh, oh, man. Is it Is it weird that like, like we've been doing this long enough to have long time listeners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. So uh, I guess to you know to what he was saying. Um, I guess it's possible that 
the truth arrows were were not actually true. Um, you know, and I guess what they basically did was they left it so that J.T. Krull, who's who's writing the book now, um, you know, if he continues to be on the book, those are things that he can play with in the book. If at some point he gets kicked off the book or goes to take something else or whatever, and somebody else doesn't want to use, you know, one of those aspects, they can just say, okay, well, this part was true, this part wasn't true. I, th- I really think that everything was true, yeah. but... You know, like anything else, they can ignore it if they so choose. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Black Lantern Superboy stuff, look, the Connor Kent one, not the Prime stuff, that that pretty much that, that came out and said like the everything the Black Lanterns say really comes from the people that they're impersonating. You know, like yeah. the the little things that they held back because they didn't want to hurt someone. Um. And I and you know I get, this was the basis of our whole fight I guess but I really really hope they keep that stuff because that that's that can be the catalyst for some really interesting stories and character arcs and all that like I hope they do play I I mean there's a new Green Arrow series that's starting up um, I don't know if it's a Brave Day Banner book or not but I pre-ordered the first issue because it was really cheap on DCBS right. like 99 cents or something and I'm like you know what I'll try this first issue, and then I might upgrade it to trade if I if I'm impressed by this issue. Because, like I said on the, on that episode, you know, that issue made me kind of interested in reading about Green Arrow, and I've never followed Green Arrow, so you know, this could be a good jumping on point. I don't know. What about the willpower thing? The willpower thing. Um, well, okay. There was definitely one instance in that, you know, he yelled out, run. There was definitely the instance that he shot the arrow and he didn't hit anything vital. You know, that, like, because he was aiming for, you know, her heart. And it's like, wait a second, you know, he missed. Green arrow doesn't miss. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, like, would he... Uh, I'm trying to think, because at this stage in Blackest Night, would the Black Lantern still want to feed on people? Because if he kills her, he can't take her heart, because she's dead and there's no emotion in a dead body. Because if the, I mean, if they're not, because what, because I'm trying, I'm kind of trying to figure out for myself if like, if they're not trying to work you up so that they can take your heart and feed on the emotion, then how important would it be for them to, to keep poking at you like they do, you know, like, would they just stop that whole thing and just concentrate on trying to kill you? Or would they keep going with their whole, you know, tugging on your heartstrings so as to make you less effective in fighting them? Um, I, I have to imagine that, the end result is that they want you dead so that you'll become a Black Lantern. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're eating your heart or not because they already have all the hearts that they need. It's just about getting to you so that you're not, you know, on your best defense to to fight back with them. Yeah, that's that's actually a very interesting point that 
I hadn't really thought of. What is what was the goal, you know, of those Black Lanterns? I mean, aside from just wanting to kill them to turn them into Black Lanterns as well, you know, or get them out of the way so that they're not not fighting, you know, they're not a threat to, to Necron anymore. Because I mean, Ollie is a good enough marksman that he he really he could have taken out any of them any, at any time. I mean, I'm not knocking Canary or or uh, Mia or Connor at all, but like, it, it it feels like it was an issue full of perfect attempts for kill shots. But instead, he stressed the whole psychological aspect of the Black Lantern. Yeah, you know what? I think you I think you may have stumbled onto like a major like plot hole in that issue because hmm. there would there would be no point to to eating their heart now. Like 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 literally like the last heart that they needed to rip out was was damage. Poor damage. Yes, poor damage indeed. <laughs> that really stinks. He's still anyway. dead. <laughs> I know. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, there's a a JSA All Stars cover that's just like his his skeleton wearing his baggy costume lying on top of his own grave. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's oh god. Anyway, so if he's the last heart that they ate, then you know, yeah. So really, like, the only thing that a Black Lantern should be doing is going out and trying to kill you, to make you dead. Unless, like, they were only programmed to work one way, and and, and Necron figures, ah, this is good enough. <laughs> as long as they're still beating people. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know about that, because in Green Lantern Corps, after they hit 100, they all, you know, their programming switched completely to devour Will. Yeah, that's true. So. It makes me wonder, like, like, are there still going to be... Because, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there. I'll be honest here. Like, after we after we finished recording our episode about Blackest Night number 8, I went and I listened to Comic Geek Speaks episode about it, because it came out, like, the day that we recorded ours. Right. And they posed a question that I didn't even think about. You know, are all the Black Lanterns gone now? Yes, because I just okay, because <laughs> I just took for <laughs> granted. I just took for granted the idea that well, they must be, but we didn't see anything on panel like like okay, here are all the Black Lanterns out in space and on Earth and whatever, and they just all turned to dust or something. Like we didn't get that, and I'm, and they're like talking about that, and I'm like I'm looking back through the issue, and I'm like, you know what? They're they're right. <laughs> we didn't actually well, see the Black Lantern horde destroyed well um what happened was you had every black lantern converging on earth yes well between the the green lantern corps and all the other cores fighting off you know fighting them off and getting rid of like a ton of black lanterns eventually when sinestro you know took hold of the the entity like, the light that he was shining was so bright, it was severing connections. So, I mean, like, between that and, you know, just the, you know, the, him at- them attacking Necron and, and Necron eventually, like, dying, like, I, I really, really took that to mean that if, if any Black Lanterns were still around 
at that point, which most of them, I think, had already been burned off. But if any of them were, then they, you know, their connection was severed, you know, by the fact that Necron no longer, you know, had a hold. He no longer had a connection, you know, in this in this plane of existence because the Black Hand was living again. And that's pretty much, like, what I thought, too, but, you know, you never know. We might get a few stragglers. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Right. Should be easy to deal with now, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bring him to wherever that battery landed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just get a couple of core members, a couple of different core members that are still apparently on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> The, his his third point, though, as far as, you know, what would you feel about a uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow book written by Johns? Oh, did he mean, like, a, as a series or just a crossover story? I guess either. Well, I, I, I'd be all for them crossing over for a story. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the last time we saw it happen was in, like, issue, like, four or five of the Johns run or something, where it was, like them fighting Mongol and Mongal and the Black Mercy plant was involved. Yeah, but that was just in Green Lantern. Oh, you mean like part one in Green Lantern and part two in Green Arrow? But, you know, I'd be fine with that. That hasn't happened since uh, the third series. Yeah, I think uh, the, oh, one of my favorite stories. Black Circle. Yeah, Black Circle Urban Nights with uh, Ollie and Kyle. God, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, I'd be open to it. It's, it. That's the kind of crossover I haven't really seen much in a long time. Yeah. At least like with the uh, with this family of characters. What about a what about a miniseries idea? I'd be open to it. I, okay. It depends on who's right. If if Howard Chaikin's involved, no. But <laughs> if, if like No, like written by Johns. Well, yeah, sure, why not? I mean like this is Hal and Ollie are like best friends from way back, you know. They've both gone through some really major crap. At, like I mean honestly if ever there was a time where they just needed to get away for a week or something and just, like, travel around, just, like, talking stuff out and working out their problems, this would be a good candidate for those times. <laughs> Who do you think Hal Jordan is closer with? Green Arrow or Flash? I was actually going to post this. <laughs> I was thinking about it, like, at work tonight. I'm like, because, like, out of all those, like, teams throughout comics, like, the classic ones, you have, like, Batman and Robin, Batman and Superman, and you have, like, Green Lantern and Green Arrow, but you also have Green Lantern and The Flash, and it seems like both of them are, each of them is just as iconic as the other, you know? Each of them is as, as classic as the other. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm more interested in The Flash generally, I guess, but, oh, what do you think? I, I... I mean, I have no definitive answer, but I guess the combination that I always liked more was Green Lantern and The Flash. Yeah, I don't know. It's just their dynamic, you know, worked better as friends as opposed to hard-traveling heroes, you know, Hal and Ollie. From the the iconic run between Neil Adams and... Denny O'Neill? Denny O'Neill. You know, they're they're like such opposites, you know... It's like, well, I'm a conservative, and he's a Democrat, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and that that kind of thing. It's, you know, I guess it worked for some stories, but 
I, I, I'm, I'm much more of a Flash GL guy. You know what I would love to see as a crossover? Just Flash and Green Arrow. Flesh out that uh, side to the triangle. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. It, oh my god. They could do that right now in Brave and the Bold, and JMS could write it, and um, what's-his-name that draws <laughs> awesome could draw it. <laughs> oh, Jesus Says. Yes. That's yeah. some variation of his name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would be awesome. That would be very awesome. Oh, we have to write someone at DC. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thank you very much, Michael, for your your voicemail. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I think we have one more voicemail. Hey, Jim and Dan, I'm currently driving, so if this cuts out and you want me to re-record it, please let me know. Um, hey, Jim and Dan, this is... John Godwin or GL Kite on the forums. Um, I was calling the they're about episode fifty two. I think that um I think everyone's thinking a little too far in some ways into the entities. I think that John's is borrowing extraordinarily heavily from Christian mythology, but I don't think that he necessarily means the actual actions from it. Like the Predator, it's, you know, it's drawing heavily on the Garden of Eden, but I don't think it's actually supposed to be Adam and Eve. Um, or if it was them, they would have turned into the entities themselves. You know, like so far, all the other entities we've actually seen, like when the, what they came from, like the green entity, uh, Ion or Parallax, um, they actually are just an altered form of whatever they were before. So Ion was kind of a you know fish microorganism-like thing, and he still is. Parallax was a, you know, an insect kind of thing, so he is an insect. You know, they showed the um, avarice entity, and it's a snake, it's still a snake. I think that, you know, whatever was displaying the emotion the first time is what became the entity itself. So I don't think it's necessarily is actually supposed to be like Cain and Abel, it's actually supposed to be the, be the Garden of Eden, it's actually necessarily supposed to be the flood from the Bible. I think it's all biology, like, you know, many of many superheroes are based on religious mythology, just like in Marvel Comics, you see Thor. He's not necessarily the real, you know, Thor. He's supposed to be in those comics, but it's not necessarily just like, oh, this is the Thor that did this, this is this, this is the Marvel Comics Thor. I think it's much the same in DC. They're basing it on Christian mythology and that, you know, these are the kind of instances they were created, the first thing that moved, the first thing that felt fear. The first thing that exhibited greed, the first thing that exhibited rage. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, those instances of the first spark of it ever happening created the entity out of what it was. I don't necessarily think it's the actual actual thing to the Bible, but I think it is definitely from the Christian mythology. Um, that being said, I'm, I also am a little off about the, I'm still kind of confused about the parallax entity. I, I know in the Sinestro Corps, you know, they have to confront their fears before they could become a Sinestro Corps member or they, like, are stuck in those clamshell things. Um, but I still thought it's all about inspiring fear and not necessarily feeling fear. So I kind of thought, even in the context of the comic, they kind of said, you know, the first entity to use, like, fear to hunt or something like that. So I still kind of thought the um, parallax entity was an insect that used fear, not an insect that was feeling fear to get away. So if you... uh you know, if you can comment on this and maybe explain it a little more fully or something, or maybe we can just talk about it on the forums, whatever, just, you know, um, I guess let us know. Uh, talk to you guys later. Bye.
Okay, well, this this voicemail is fantastic, John. This is perfect because I actually had kind of a revelation today. So, um... <laughs> revelation. Yeah. Well, what he was saying as far as, you know, the entities are, you know, they're, they're kind of created from the creature that first feels this, you know, such an emotion. Well... He says, okay, well, the predator, you know, probably isn't from, you know, Adam and Eve because, well, they didn't, you know, become, um, you know, the predator. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me because in, you know, okay, there's Christian mythology and then there's, like, the extended Christian mythology and, you know, which is, you know, actual mythology and not actually held as canon by uh, the Bible. But originally, Adam had a first wife before Eve, Lilith. So, you know, like, you know, who knows? You know, maybe maybe that's what Johns is going for. Like, this, this character of Lilith is, who was a woman, and I think it was a woman spurned, you know, which would make it all the more fitting, you know, for the entire Violet core to only be, you know, women, you know, and women that don't allow men into their core because their entity, you know, is a woman spurned. Why would she be a pointy dinosaur? <laughs> well, I mean, all of the uh, the creatures, all of the entities are like distorted versions, you know, of what they started out as. I think I think the you know the the rage cow or the rage bull is like the fatted calf that you know that was offered as an offering which led to you know the slang um you know the snake obviously the snake you know and and the rest blah 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 and then squishy yeah know. okay so now I had I had another revelation about that one and about squishy yes. say it, say its name about squishy yay okay now, I mean, I I could totally be reaching here, but you probably I probably am, probably I, you know, whatever. But like, I'm like, okay, the indigo entity is a squid, right? Yes, good for hugging. Yeah. Well, well, how many how many arms did that squid have? I'm look I'm actually looking at fifty two right now. Right. It's got a one, two, three, four. Right. Four. Yes. You know what else has four sections? Oh, God damn it. Are you seriously going <laughs> to... I'm just saying that a cross has kind of like four four segments like that. Uh, n- n- uh... No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just... No. Well, All right. you know, like, All right. if, if an amoeba could turn into a space whale, then maybe a cross turns into a squid. That makes no f***ing sense. Well, how does There's an amoeba no... turn into a space whale make sense to you? It already, it was shaped like a sea creature <laughs> going in. Like, did you... Oh, come on. No, you're, you're, no, no, all right. You're, we're at least talking about one form of life becoming another, all right? 
you're talking about a plank of wood becoming an octopus. This makes no sense. No, it's not <laughs> how it works. Wood was once living. <laughs> okay, then you would be a big purple tree. Uh, all right, but it's not. No, absolutely not. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> and you suck for it. Uh, God. Oh, man. God, squishy help you. If, if, that, if that's what it turns out to be, oh, my God. <sighs> that tur- is that what, if that's what it turns out to be, I'm just going to, like, leave and join Corwin's show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. Um, God, you know, looking at it again, the, uh, the one panel of the orange, and we talked last time about, you know, if you want to see the religious symbolism, you could look at it one way. If you didn't want to see the religious symbolism, you could look at it another way. I don't think we even pointed out, like, with the orange, like, this was the one I liked the most with that, because it's like, like, alright, I mean, the, the first, obviously, like, like, the first place our minds go is, you know, here's the snake in the Garden of Eden that tempted Eve, I think it was Eve, could have been Adam, but tempted them to eat the apple from the tree of knowledge, and then it was all downhill from there. But if you just go by what's on the panel, the text is, as a creature eats what it does not need, avarice consumes all it touches. And the actual picture is a snake looking at an apple. So if you don't want to see the religious angle to it, you can look at this, you can read this and say, all right, the snake wasn't hungry, but it, it ate the apple. Thus, you got greed. So I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I like that. This is cool. Yeah. All right, we're not let's let's not get back into less. <laughs> did he did he make any other points that we should come up? We should talk uh, about. He was talking about the the idea that parallax was born from a creature that you know um, felt fear, you know, and in survival mode, you know, went to the air to, to keep surviving, you know, as opposed to the core members having to, you know, instill fear to get their clamshells open to become Sinestro core members. I, I kind of think that there's, there's two sides of fear. And, you know, regardless of which side, you know, you're on, it's still, you know, it's still dealing with fear. Yeah, I mean, this is all the all that really matters about the creation of parallax is that fear in general exists now. Yeah, how the Sinestro Corps members relate to fear, I, I don't see as being contingent on on how fear originally came to exist. Yeah. All that matters is it it does exist, and it's their personal their personal ways of dealing with it determines whether or not they can use it. Yeah, and actually, I, I kind of think it's almost poetic that you have an entire core that uses fear, you know, and instills fear in others, and the entire core's, you know, entity originated because of a creature that felt fear for its own life. Yeah. It's like something that was afraid created something that would scare everything else. Yes, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Speaking of uh, GL Kitta. Yes, okay. So we we kind of t- 
teased that we would be having, you know, more contests coming up. Well, we uh, we we finally, you know, said, okay, let's let's you know iron out the details. Well, this our next contest it it officially starts, you know, as you listen to this episode, is being sponsored completely by John Godwin, who is GL Kite on the forums. What John John does, he goes around to conventions and you know he sets up and he you know he sells stuff. He sells his you know comics and uh, and other stuff. He you know would someday like to open a comic shop, but for now he you know he is a dealer at conventions. Well, as a dealer at conventions, he said, you know what? I think this is a great opportunity to help promote the Lantern Cast, which we are incredibly grateful that he actually would like to do this at all. But he says, you know what, I'm going to take it one step further. It's like, I want to put up the prizes for a contest for the listeners to come up with a, a design for a handout that, you know, I can actually hand out to people that come by the booth to help promote the Lantern Cast. Now, now, like I said, I mean, like, this is this is amazing for anybody to do. So... We, we are incredibly appreciative of this. And, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't even say this the right way. I mean, you know, I'm trying to, but it's it's amazing that anybody would do this for us. Anyway, so the, basically the rules of the contest are we need, we need something to be able to print up, preferably in black and white or if it were to be printed on, you know, different colored paper with the different colored cores, figure about half the size of a piece of paper, you know, because you don't want to be given out a full page to to everybody. Um, yeah, half half the size of um, an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. Yes. So, so what John wants is he wants a handout, you know, that he can you know give to people. So you know, feel free to use our logo on it. Use the you know the lantern cast name. Use our uh, our tagline uh, from the website. You know basically information about us. Put information on there or graphics or whatever that you think would get people interested. That you know that are interested in Green Lantern to want to check us out. You know try and stay away from like copyrighted images and you know actual images of Green Lantern because we don't want John to have to pay royalties or anything like that. <laughs> but uh yeah you want you want something that's going to you know interest and excite people that don't know about us yet so that they'll get interested in us. So that's that's one prize. That's that's like that's the grand prize. The other con the other kind of side contest that's also attached to this is that John would also like to be able to give out another kind of half sheet to creators that happen to be like at these conventions that he's at, to try and get them to you know come on the Lantern Cast and and you know inter you know let us interview them, which in turn would make for great interviews for our listeners to listen to. So for that, they're looking for something that has more like of a professional look to it. We're still going for a half sheet here, and you know again logos our you know tagline and you know anything that you think that 
a creator would like to see, you know, to, you know, be like, hey, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll check these guys out and maybe I'll go on them and help promote my comic or whatever. But we're looking for stuff that's, that's really going to pop out at people. So that's, that's, the, that's the goal. We'll, uh, you know, we'll pick the, the best one for, for each category. And, you know, you win the, the first one, you get your first pick a prize. And if you win the other one, you get the, the second choice prize. Did we... Wait, did you say what the prizes no, are? No, not yet. Okay, <laughs> so now here's the prizes. And like I said, first first prize, you get to pick either of these. The first, the first prize that we have is 45 different Green Lantern comics. From Green Lantern, the second series, you have issues 41, 141 and 142, 147, 161, 183, 185, 186, and 194. From the third series, the Kyle Rayner series, we have issues 0, number 46, 52 through 54, 56 through 61, 65 through 68, 70, 74, 80, 82, 87, 95 through 96, and 107. And yeah, so like you know, you have a, a nice, awesome smattering of different Green Lantern uh, books. You have Green Lantern, Green Arrow four and five, Green Lantern Quarterly number two. Those are all awesome. Green Lantern Mosaic one through seven. So you can you know have an awesome start in Mosaic, and Green Lantern Rebirth one through four. So if you want Green Lantern comics, here you got forty five of them. It's, like I said, it's an awesome, just smattering. Like, if you've only been reading the current Green Lantern, then, like, this is a great entryway to some of the older stuff. So, that awesome prize right there. The second prize that we have that John is also sponsoring is he's got two patches, first off. One is a Green Lantern patch, and one is a Black Lantern patch. I didn't even know that they made a Black Lantern patch, actually. I'm, I know, but when the hell did this yeah. happen? And it's awesome looking. It's very, very awesome looking. The the Green Lantern patch, I actually, I'm pretty sure I own. I have one sewn onto my uh, my sleeve of my hoodie. <laughs> uh, and also, there's going to be two action figures included in that. This is These are loose. They're not in the package. But it's the Super Friends Green Lantern and Super Friends Sinestro. And oh, they put that out, like, what, like a few years yes, ago, right? Yes, yeah. These these are figures that I actually own myself, and if you've watched Super Friends and you look at these figures, it's like, you know, you can tell. It's like, oh, wow. It's like they really got the likenesses. The, the, the Hal Jordan, it's very cool. It's a very cool Super Friends Hal Jordan. In addition to that, for the second prize, you also get a bunch of Hero Clicks figures. He's got the Black Hand. He's got Arkillo. Um, Yellow Lantern, the, uh, the Bizarro Yellow Lantern, I think it is. Nice! <laughs> okay, well, wait, it doesn't say that, so it may not be. That's, wait, 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 is the hero click shooting itself in the face? It doesn't have a picture. Damn it. It just says Yellow Lantern. <laughs> um, and then Lissa Drac, Amon Sir, and Three Man Hunters. Um... Yeah, so 
Okay, Yellow Lantern something. It could be the Yellow Lantern. Um, I don't know. Okay. It could just be a, a character you didn't know the Exactly, name of. yeah. So we got Black Hand, Arkillo, Yellow Lantern, Lissa Drac, Amon Sir, and Three Man Hunters. These are all hero clicks. So, I mean, even if you don't play hero clicks, like, these are awesome characters to have. So, you get all the hero clicks. You get the Black Lantern patch, the Green Lantern patch, the Super Friends Green Lantern, and the Super Friends Sinestro. That, that is the second prize. So, if you win this contest by making us an awesome, you know, handout, then you get to pick either one of those. And if you make an awesome handout to give to creators to get them to want to come on the show, you get, you get the other prize. And I think they're both, like, really awesome prizes. I, I'm being totally honest, I really think they're both awesome prizes. And John Godwin is coming up with both of these prizes. I mean, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It's very, very cool. Yeah, like, like a hundred percent of this was his yes. idea. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's like, listen guys, I want to promote you guys and I got an idea for a contest. So let's do this. So, thank you so much, John. I, this is, this is really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, what's, what are we, do we decide a deadline? Uh, deadline, let's see. When are we now? Let's see. Say May 12th? Uh, do we want to get a little more time than that? Mm, May 19th? Basically, we want to give them about a month. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, we might as well do it May 17th then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, the deadline is May 17th. So you have about a month. You have about a month to do this. Get cracking. You've got our images on the website, lanterncast.com. You have a bunch of our information there. If you've listened to us, hopefully you've listened to us. So you know you know something about us. So, you know, we want to see best foot forward. We want to see something that's going to jump out at people. You know, you don't want to put, you don't want to, like, pack it with, like, tiny little text because... People aren't going to read that, you know. Use, use, be smart about it, and let let's see what you can do, and win some prizes. Okay, I think, yeah, I think I think we're good. All right, lanterncast at gmail dot com, lanterncast dot com, iTunes. It's, it's it's no dot com there. It's just it just is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Thecomicforums.com, Scroll on down. We got a Facebook page. Um, Facebook.com. We're there. Search for us. L Lanterncast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, Dan, Jason, Lantern, at Lanterncast.com. Uh, our voicemail number is 206 644 7061. Am I close? It's, it's not that. Damn it. It's 206 <laughs> Seven three five seven. Oh, I I uh, I some of those numbers, <laughs> not not necessarily in those spots, but you know. Oh man, um, yeah, okay, and uh, just to just to close this episode out, I want to give one shout out to Eduardo Rios. Hey Eduardo, hope you had fun at C two E two. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we go, 
we should we should throw this out there that uh you and Lauren are moving again. Oh. So either either the next episode you hear or the one after it will be a clip show of sorts. <laughs> we're going to um we're going to air the uh best of CD that Chad made for us to give out at our super show table. Yes. Basically to buy buy some time for Jim and Lauren to move and get settled. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah. we're gonna need that. <laughs> yeah, just in case the the cable the uh, internet connection uh, takes a little longer to set up. Yeah, yeah, moving right back to the first place you live too. That's uh. Kind of makes this past move really unnecessary, doesn't it? <laughs> well, no, it's it's not the same place, it's, but it's in the same town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Semantics. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so long, everyone. Between the lines <laughs>